Welcome to the Catholic Truth Podcast, where we teach and preach the truth of the Catholic faith without compromise and without apology. We want to give you high energy and non-boring Catholicism, where anyone at any time can come to know exactly what the Catholic Church teaches and why. We do apologetics, spirituality, other religions, our culture, and more. Most of all, we want to inspire you, inform you, and help you to know, love, and live your Catholic faith with purpose and passion. We are Catholic Truth. Hello, everybody. This is Brian Mercier, and I am your host for the Catholic Truth Podcast, and I'm so happy that you are joining us today. We're always so happy when you tune into our podcast to learn about your Catholic faith, to be inspired, and to grow, and to learn how to defend it. And in this particular podcast episode, we're going to be learning to defend our faith from attacks by anti-Catholics and those who really make it their living and spend all their time on social media attacking the Catholic Church and attacking Catholics and attacking Catholic doctrine, even though they themselves haven't done a lot of research. And the research, most times that they do do, are really just to find some sort of evidence or black mark against the church where they can say, aha, see, you're wrong. Aha, see, you're wrong. And they don't do actual, real, intellectual, and honest research to see what Catholics truly believe. And in this podcast, we're going to look at one anti-Catholic who's always on our YouTube channel. He's a troll. And by a troll, we mean people who don't even watch the videos that they come onto, and they just post these long comments that really have nothing to do with the video, and really just are there to attack the Catholic Church. And many times we delete them and We've blocked many trolls, but sometimes we allow them because, quite frankly, they start really uh, big conversations on our YouTube channel, Catholic Truth. And those comments and comments after comments and people liking certain comments and down liking other comments, that all makes our YouTube channel more popular. So really, these trolls don't realize that many times they're actually helping our YouTube channel to grow and helping more people to see the gospel message of Jesus Christ and the truth of the Catholic Church. So in some ways, we... We leave them on there to help our channel to grow and to use them as teaching moments to answer these people in hopes to get through to them, possibly if God wills, or to help other people see how to answer them. So we're going to read this man's comment and then we're going to answer it. He gave 12 points of where he thinks Catholicism is wrong. He quoted John 8, 31 and says, If you really love Jesus, then you must obey his teachings. Otherwise, you are not his disciples. And he said that the Catholic Church does not follow the teachings of Jesus. And therefore, they're not true disciples of Jesus, and the Catholic Church is false. And he presents 12 uh, teachings that he thinks are not biblical, and he thinks the Catholic Church is wrong about. So we're going to go through these real briefly, and then we are going to answer them briefly, one by one. So, I mean, this whole podcast could be two hours answering each of these in detail, but we'll e answer them briefly and show how we responded to him. Okay, he says that, number one, Jesus is not God. Did Jesus ever imply that he was God? And the answer is no. John 10, 36 says, I am the Son of God. And Jesus also called his Father, my God, my God, in John 20, 17. Number two, Purgatory is not scriptural, therefore it's false. According to the Catholic Encyclopedia, the doct Catholic doctrine of purgatory is based on tradition, not sacred scripture, which is probably wrong. Number three, compulsory priestly celibacy. Number four, Mary being the mother of God. Does the Bible say that? No, it does not. Number five, 
the Holy Spirit is a person. But in reality, does the Bible teach this? No, not according to the New Catholic Encyclopedia, which says the Old Testament clearly does not envisage God's Spirit as a person, dot, dot, dot. See, all these, just before I even continue, all these quotes from anti-Catholics, you always have to disbelieve them 100% of the time. Because 99% of the time, they're always quoted out of context. They always don't mean what they say. And when you look them up, they're never what they mean. So he goes on, there's a big dot, 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 and it says, God's spirit is simply power, dot, dot, dot. The majority of the New Testament texts reveal God's spirit as something, not someone. That is not a quote from the Catholic Encyclopedia. Maybe from the Jehovah's Witnesses, that sounds like Jehovah's Witness teaching, but not Catholic teaching. Number six, gays are children of God. That is false. Number seven, Mary was born without sin, the Immaculate Conception, but not according to the Catholic Encyclopedia, which says no direct or categorical stringent proof of the dogma can be found straightforward in Scripture. The Greek fathers never formally or explicitly discussed the question of the Immaculate Conception. Anti-Catholics never care about the early church fathers, ironically, unless they seem to find something that might fit what might prove their point. Number eight, priests should be addressed as father, but the Bible condemns this in Matthew 23, 9, and it says that you must not call anyone on earth your father, for you only have one father in heaven. Number nine, infants should be baptized. The Catholic Church is wrong about this. Number 10, Jesus was born on December 25th, but this is not true. The Bible does not give a date for when Jesus was born. Number 11, the Godhead is triune. But where in the Bible did Jesus or anyone else speak of a triune Godhead? The answer is nowhere. And number 12, Mary is a co-redemptrix. But is this true? Not according to Pope Francis, who called the idea of declaring Mary co-redemptrix foolishness, unquote. As you can see, he says, from the partial list above, the Catholic Church is indeed feeding its members garbage. However, instead of feeding them nutritious spiritual food based on the teachings of Jesus, the Catholic Church is teaching her members falsehoods and giving them poison. Oh, and BTW, since many Protestants' teachings come from the Catholic Church, Protestant churches also feed their members poison as well. So how do we answer these? And so I address this man, and I always address him as my trolling friend to let him know that he's just a troll, and when I delete his comments, that's why. But to answer his comments, here's number one. Is Jesus God? Yes, of course he is. And we're going to have a whole YouTube video on this very soon. In John 1.1, he said there's no evidence that Jesus is God. And did Jesus ever say he was God? No. But the Bible, of course, we believe that he did. In fact, in John 5, 18 and 19, Jesus said that he was one with the Father, and the Jews picked up stones to stone him for blasphemy, for saying, putting himself on the same level as God. That's what the Bible says. And in fact, in John 1, 1, it says that the word Jesus was with God, and the word Jesus was God. So the Bible clearly says Jesus was God. And in John 8, 58, Jesus said to the Jews who were doubting him and doubting his identity, before Abraham was, 
I am. So not only was he claiming to be before Abraham, which is impossible if you're just a man, but he took the holy name of God, I am, from the book of Exodus, which is blasphemy if he's not God. And in fact, the Jews crucified him. If you actually read the Gospel of John, the reason they gave for crucifying him was blasphemy. So yes, Jesus is God. Is purgatory biblical? Yes, it is. 2 Maccabees 12, 43 through 46 talks about praying for the dead so that they can be loosed from their sins. And in fact, if they're in hell, you can't be loosed from your sins. If you're in heaven, you don't need to be loosed from your sins because you're already saved. In, but there must be a place out there where you can be loosed from your sins. And you can see this in 1 Corinthians 3, 13 through 15 as well. Number three, forcing celibacy on people. Celibacy is not being forced on people. It's a choice. It's a choice that men make by joining the priesthood. They don't have to. They're free not to become priests. And if they choose to become celibate and become priests, that is a choice that they're freely making. And in fact, the Bible encourages celibacy. In Matthew 19, Jesus says that people ideally should be celibate to serve God. It's a higher calling. And 1 Corinthians chapter 7, Paul takes great lengths to say that celibacy is a higher calling and how he wishes that people would be celibate for the kingdom of heaven. Because when you're not, you're just tied down to this world and all these things where when you're free from that, you can serve God wholeheartedly. And that is the exact reason why the Catholic Church made the discipline of celibacy. It's not a dogma. It's not a doctrine. It's a discipline. And the reason the Catholic Church made this discipline is so that the priests could serve God without being tied down to a family. And any priest who's married will tell you it's extremely difficult. Number four, yes, Mary is the mother of God. Why? Because simple, simple, Jesus is God. But of course, if this guy's a Jehovah's Witness or a Church of God or one of the other small cults out there that don't believe in the Trinity or don't believe in the divinity of Christ, he's not going to accept that Jesus is God in the first place. But we believe that Mary is not the mother of God from all eternity. She's not the mother of the Father or the Spirit. She's the mother of Jesus who is God. And since he is God and she was his mother, she is the mother of God. And in fact, Elizabeth, she says that, who am I that the mother of my Lord should come to me? And of course, we have a whole video on this if you want more information on our YouTube channel, Catholic Truth. Number five, the Holy Spirit is a person. See, this man is saying that he's just a, a force, God's force. And that's a Jehovah's Witness argument, that he's God's impersonal force. He's not, he's never seen as a person in the Bible or personal in any way, shape, or form. But yet, the Bible refers to the Holy Spirit over and over and over again. You can see this in Hebrews chapter 3 and Hebrews chapter 10, just for example. You can see it over and over and over again that the Holy Spirit is a personal being. And in fact, he's referred to as he and him. And he speaks to people. And the Bible says the Holy Spirit says to you. So the Holy Spirit is speaking to these people, which means he is personal. Number six, we do believe that homosexuals, all human beings, heterosexual or homosexual, are children of God. Why? In some sense, because God created all of us. So in a general sense, God is our Father. We are all brothers and sisters because we're all His creation and He is our Father. But we become true spiritual children of God through faith and baptism. And if you're not baptized and you don't enter into that relationship with Christ, then you're not 
permanently, forever, his child. In a sense, you're going to be cut off at the end of time, which is why you need to come to believe in Christ. But generally speaking, we are all children of God. And he might say, yes, but they're sinners. They're evil. What they're doing is wrong. You know what? You sin too. And so do I. And so does everybody. Number seven, yes, we believe that Mary was born without sin. And in fact, every Christian down through the ages, for the most part, almost all the Christians believe this, even all of the Protestant reformers believe this, because we believe that God kept Mary free from sin to protect her so she could sinlessly bear the sinless Son of God. And this person goes on to say that there are no Greek fathers that believe this or that talked about this, but in reality, many, many early church fathers talked about this, both Greek fathers and uh, Latin fathers, but even if the Greek fathers didn't, that doesn't matter because there are countless Latin fathers that did. I mean, Ephraim, uh, the Syrian, says that she was sinless. He said that she had neither blemish or stain on her. And in fact, Athanasius, one of the greatest early church fathers, one of the greatest patristics in existence, also said that she was the spotless virgin. And Hippolytus also said, just as the Old Testament ark was made of incorruptible wood, so the tabernacle that would hold Jesus, Mary, was also kept from defilement and corruption. And Origen also called her the Immaculate of the Immaculate, and so on and so on. But So you can't say that the patristics or just the Greek patristics didn't talk about it, because many of the early church fathers did say that Mary was sinless and kept stainless and kept pure so she could have and be the Ark for Jesus Christ. And just as the old Ark in the Old Testament was perfect and you couldn't even touch it, because it was holy and it contained the presence of God. So Mary was going to contain the presence of God himself. And so God, by his power, kept her holy. The next objection he has and says is that you can't call men father because the Bible in Matthew 23, 9 says, do not call any man on earth your father. But he only looks at this one verse. This is why anti-Catholics do not know the Bible. And we actually have a whole video called Why Anti-Catholics Don't Know the Bible, and we use this verse first to prove that what they attack Catholics with is absolutely false. And I believe there's a podcast uh, maybe a few weeks ago with this title as well, if you want to check that out. But it says that you can't call any man father, but then we go on to show that Jesus, Paul, Luke, James, Stephen, all pretty much everyone through the New Testament calls men father. They call men spiritual fathers. In fact, in 1 Corinthians 4.15, Paul says, I became your father in the gospel. And in Romans chapter 4, he calls Abraham our father in the faith. He calls Abraham father six times. And it's not in violation to Jesus because Jesus wasn't saying don't call any man father. I mean, what do we call our dads? We call them fathers. So this argument just doesn't hold up. It's really just not a very good argument. He says you have infant baptism. And in fact, in Acts 2, 38 through 39, Peter says you must be baptized and ask forgiveness for the remission of your sins. And this promise is for you and your 
children. And in fact, Colossians 2 says that baptism replaces circumcision. And circumcision, we know, babies were circumcised on the eighth day as babies. And now baptism has replaced circumcision. And in fact, the earliest Christians all said that the tradition of infant baptism has come down to us from the apostles. Even St. Augustine himself said that. The next objection, he says, is that Jesus was not born on December 25th, and nowhere does the Bible say that. So you're wrong. (laughs) This seems to be a common thread. You're wrong. Uh, But this is a straw man argument because it doesn't matter if Jesus was born on the 25th or in March or in April. We celebrate his birth on the 25th because that's where we believe he was born. But it doesn't matter even if that's not true because we will still celebrate his birth and the fact that he came to die for us and to set us free. I mean, this man is basically saying that you have to find every little last thing in the Bible for it to be true. It didn't say what date Jesus was born on, so therefore, you can't celebrate it on that date. Does it say in the Bible to read the Bible? Show me one verse in sacred scripture where it tells you to read the Bible. It doesn't. It doesn't even mention the word Bible. So by the same logic, illogical logic, we shouldn't read the Bible. Where does it tell you how fast to drive your mule through an intersection back in Jerusalem? Where does it say how high to build the synagogues? It doesn't say any of that. It doesn't even say build synagogues anywhere in the New Testament, or doesn't say build churches or anything. So, I mean, there's many things that the Bible doesn't say because it's not meant to say everything. And in fact, John 21, the last chapter in the Gospel of John, it says that not everything is in the Bible. It says that these are only some of the things that Jesus have said and done. And in fact, if all the things were written down, John says not all the books in the world could contain them. So there's a lot that was left out. So uh, we can't expect that every single thing should be found in the Bible. And in fact, that itself is unbiblical. He said, where do you find a triune God mentioned in the Bible? Matthew 28, 19, go therefore and baptize all nations and baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Notice it lists three people there, three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. But notice it says, go baptize in the name, singular, of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It does not say, go baptize in the names of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So we're talking three persons in the singular. And that is just one reference to the triune God. But again, they're trying to use the Bible as a weapon in a way that the Bible is not supposed to be used. Just because everything is not there word for word does not mean it's not true. It does not mean the teachings are not there. It doesn't mean, it doesn't say that you have to read the Bible. Again, show me one verse where it says, go read your Bible, or have a Bible, or walk to church and read your Bible. Show me where it says the word rapture in the Bible. It doesn't say any of that, but yet many Protestants believe in the rapture as well. They believe in eternal security, but those words aren't there either. So just because the words aren't there doesn't mean the teachings themselves are not. He also says that co-redemptrix, the last one, Mary as co-redemptrix, is not biblical. And he tries to quote Pope Francis, who says it's foolishness. Now, I haven't looked it up to see whether Pope Francis has or hasn't said, you know, that it's foolishness or not. But he, so since when does a Protestant quote a Pope to 
back themselves up or quote a pope because the pope says this, therefore he's authoritative, when they don't accept the authority of the pope at all. So it's really just a red herring. It's a terrible argument. The fact is, Mary as co-redemptrix is a doctrine of the church. It's already been proclaimed. It can't change. Pope Francis, therefore, can't even change it because it's already a teaching of the church. So I told this man that Pope Francis is allowed to give his opinion. Many popes, any pope can give his opinion. It doesn't mean the opinion's right. We only go by what the Catholic Church officially teaches. And many popes will have opinions outside of what the church teaches or their own personal opinions. And we know Pope Francis has a lot of opinions, but we also know that they're not all correct also. So him quoting Pope Francis, supposedly quoting Pope Francis, and suppose, I mean, we, we, all of these quotes he has referenced are wrong. I mean, we could show so many of them. For example, the Holy Spirit one, where he says that the Catholic Encyclopedia says that God's spirit is simply power. It's not a person. It's not envisioned as a person. And the majority of New Testament texts reveal God's spirit as something, not someone. Now, listen to what the New Catholic Encyclopedia actually says. I know it does not, for a fact, say what he thinks it says. It doesn't say it anywhere, in fact, and I've looked it up. But what it does say is absolutely the opposite. It says that the Holy Spirit is a divine person. This whole thing disproves his comment just with that. It says it's a divine person, even though they said it doesn't envision a person at all. He said he is a person who is neither the Father or the Son, but is named together with the Father and the Son. It also says that there are many biblical texts, quoting the Bible, therefore, that quite clearly say that the Holy Ghost is a person. So this is what the New Catholic Encyclopedia says. It says that the Holy Spirit is a person. And it goes on to say it's a person distinct from the Father and the Son, and yet one with God. And it goes on to say how the Holy Spirit speaks to us. Just what I told you, and how he speaks to men, and he empowers men, and he comes into men, and he strikes people dead. I mean, he's not just God's active force, like the Jehovah's Witnesses say. He actually is a person. So the quotes that this man is giving are either totally out of context or completely fabricated. Who even knows where he got them? The only place that I could find online where uh, one of these quotes came from was a Yahoo answer. <laughs> you know, one of those Yahoo answers where just random people answer. And one person put in that the Catholic New Catholic Encyclopedia says this, but who's this person? He didn't give a page number. He didn't give a citation. He didn't give anything. We're just supposed to believe him. But when I read the New Catholic Encyclopedia or the Catholic Encyclopedia or the Catechism of the Catholic Church or any of the councils of the Catholic Church, they all say the opposite. So why in the world should we believe what this man says? He's being dishonest or he himself has been very deceived and is a very poor intellectual and has done miserable research and only seeks to find an answer that will prove the Catholic Church wrong rather than coming to what is true, whether it disagrees with what he set out to find in the first place or not. So don't believe anti-Catholics. Don't, I mean, and there are many Protestants in other religions that are not anti-Catholic. They just disagree with the Catholic Church. They don't want to be Catholic. But then there are anti-Catholics which are who are very dis honest people. And they make it their 
whole point to destroy the Catholic Church, to destroy their doctrines, to destroy Catholics, to take Catholics out of the Church, and whatever else they can do to destroy the Church. So don't believe these people because they're dishonest over and over and over again. They present lies and half-truths and fabrications. And if you want more of this, if you liked this uh, podcast, check out our recent podcast, maybe from a month or so ago, on Jack Chick. He's a really special case of an anti-Catholic. He's one of the godfathers of anti-Catholicism, and we answer his charges. We also answered uh, below, probably about two months ago at least now, we had a program answering an ex-Catholic priest who's now an anti-Catholic, and he started a whole anti-Catholic organization, and so we answer him too. So if you're interested more in learning to defend your faith and explain your faith and understanding why uh, many of the arguments people give don't hold up, check out the rest of our podcasts, and especially our videos on YouTube, which are much more numerous than our podcasts, and they will help you to know, love, and live your Catholic faith and to be able to defend it. So thanks so much for listening today. Thanks so much for tuning in. Please check out our show notes below. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, support our ministry through Patreon, and follow our YouTube channel. Most of all, thanks so much for listening. We always appreciate when you guys tune in, and we hope that we have sufficiently inspired you today and taught you something that you didn't know. May God bless you, pray for us, and we will pray for you. (laughs) 